Welcome to Meanwhile in Memphis, where New Memphis is celebrating our city by providing a weekly window into the ways Memphians are solving problems, looking forward, and successfully shaping the community. Good morning, Memphis. Welcome to your weekly episode of Meanwhile in Memphis. My name is Anna Mullins-Ellis. I'm the president and CEO of New Memphis. We are a local nonprofit that is working to make Memphis magnetic while also empowering and developing our city's leaders of today and tomorrow. Uh, We bring this uh, episode to you every week as a way to hopefully showcase some great leaders here in our community that are doing innovative work, who are shaping our city for the better. Um, We have an amazing episode for you this week. But before we get to that, I would like to introduce my co-host, colleague, (laughs) and friend, Christy Mullen. How are you doing today, Christy? I'm good. Hello, everybody. It's Tuesday. It is indeed Tuesday. It is not Monday. It is Tuesday. (laughs) I'm here. I'm ready. Who's to say, really? I mean... (laughs) I don't. The only evidence that I have that it is Tuesday is that we are here in this exactly. podcast studio. And this is the one time I leave my house. So yes. It's like the time where you dream about, you're like, hmm, I'm going to get out of my house today. But it's also terrifying. It's so funny. <laughs> how, yeah, like having to get here once a week becomes a, a really it, – it's completely mind-boggling to me that I once got up every day and drove downtown to my house. Right. Where I'm like, okay – like, my husband even treats me, he's like, drive safe, be careful. <laughs> and I'm going, like, to war. And I'm yeah. like, okay. I think about that, too. I'm like, I get this overwhelming sense where I'm excited to go see people when I get to for things, like, to come do the podcast, interview these great people. I get excited to do that. But at the same time, I'm like, I have to make myself look like a human. And I don't know that I remember how to do that. Exactly. I'm like, are my dogs going to be okay <laughs> for this three hours that I'm gone? I feel like I have to like prepare them mentally. I'm, this is why I couldn't like, I really, 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 really wanted to get a pet during this pandemic because my whole reason for not having a dog yet was because I was at the office. We do a lot of events at New Memphis. I wouldn't be able to come home on my lunch break, all of that jazz. But I was like, the pandemic. This could be a bright spot. Then I was like, do you know how codependent I would be on this puppy and vice versa if I were to have adopted a dog during a pandemic? I don't believe in codependence. (laughs) You're like, it's a myth. There's nothing wrong with loving and depending on something, even if it's a dog. No, I'm very pro-pet, and I feel like it's one of those decisions that nobody regrets. And then I meet people who are like, no, I regretted getting my puppy. I'm like, okay, that's fair. You do. You're on the board for the Humane Society, right? I am. I will give a plug. Yeah, um, I, 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 I set you up. I want to know more. Humane Society of Memphis and Shelby County, if you're looking for your pandemic pet, yes. your panty pet, um, <laughs> they have been adopting dogs and cats uh, with a, a higher rate than normal, which is exciting. But Lots and lots more dogs and cats are um, needing homes than before, both because of the stray population. The city um, has been has been less able to uh, manage the stray population yeah. through Memphis Animal Services. So we are our community is leaning a lot harder on the nonprofits in the animal welfare space. And um, pets are they're expensive; they require time and money. Um, so. The Humane Society also takes pets that are surrendered that need homes. So anyway, um, that's my <laughs> if you yeah. I you know, there's really nothing more satisfying. I'm sure there is. That's a terrible thing to say. I'm sure like the love of another person is nice too. But it, it's something about like an animal that just loves you unconditionally because its little heart just and you're like, I want to take I'm care like of you for certain and that ever. my dogs don't love me unconditionally. <laughs> but <laughs> well, your dogs, your dogs are just they're very funny to me. They they I have two run very special your dogs. house. And by special I mean <laughs> weird and like not. <laughs> but no, I, um, yeah, I don't, I, it's, I don't think I could have sat in my house for the last like 12 yeah. months without 
that company. I take them to daycare a couple of times a week just because they love it and they yeah. like really want to interact with <laughs> just like me. I'm like, they want to interact <laughs> yes. with each other. Um, and I get like legit lonely on those days. When they're gone. <laughs> so from like nine to five, I'm just like, I regret letting them have a good time. Yeah. I'm like, no, 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 don't be that person. Anyway, these they, are my own. Uh, they need their time too, Anna. If, exactly. If you're looking for the the mental state of uh, Anna Ellis in these days, that, that pretty much <laughs> defines it. Being resentful of my dogs when they do <laughs> when they daycare. get to go to daycare. <laughs> At any rate, we are here today to uh, bring you two amazing guests. Uh, I know Christy is particularly excited as an artist and art buff herself. Um, our first guest is our friend Rachel Knox, um, over from the Hyde Family Foundation. She's going to talk about all things arts and culture. Um, she has her uh, finger on the pulse, um, both because she works to support these organizations, both um, you know, financially, of course, but also just helping to connect them and uh, to help them pave, I hope, you know, a, a bright future for their organizations, their individual endeavors. Um, but she just has, I think, a really 360 view yes. of what's happening in culture, whether that's the visual arts, uh, dance. We talk a little bit about restaurants and yeah. uh, what's going on in the food scene. Uh, and then who is our second guest, Christy? Mr. Tyron Wells is here from Wells Design Co. And he is here to talk about how, you know, he has continued during this pandemic to create and design experiences for people from micro weddings to people that want their homes designed for Christmas because we have all been stuck mm -hmm. at home and we need them to look as beautiful as they can. So he's here to kind of talk about that and his journey through that. And I'm very excited about it because having... Well, the arts. I'm an arts nerd, as you said. So I'm very excited to talk with Rachel, but also to have Tyron here as an events organization that puts on a lot of events. You know, we understand having to the key word of 2020, like pivot our whole plan. And I know how stressful that has been just for us in our dynamic. So I'm excited to kind of get to hear from him how he has kind of shifted as well as he goes into this new year. Yeah. And it's a great, you know, we always love to to highlight and feature Local entrepreneurs, um, people who support have, local people, support local. Um, you know, he, again, is somebody who chose Memphis as a place to launch his career. His business uh, has been thriving. So we're thrilled to hear from him. He's also, I will mention, a graduate of the New Memphis Fellows Program, which yes. is our leadership program for what we call sort of mid-career leaders, folks who are, um, you know, 30 to 40 is kind of what we say. Yeah. Um, but he did the program back in 2016 and I think is really the perfect embodiment of what we hope a fellow brings out into our community. So yes. let's jump into it, shall we? Let's go. Hello, guys. We have event planner extraordinaire Tyron Wells here with us. He is actually a New Memphis A16 Fellows alum and founder of Wells Design Co. Tyron is here with us. Say hello. Hi, everybody. <laughs> good morning. <laughs> good morning. <sighs> How are you? Oh, I am doing good. Yeah. Good. Um, you know, besides the fact that Tom Brady won a Super Bowl. You know, <laughs> hey, Lord help us. Brady truly. Bucks. <laughs> That's what I was talking about earlier is the fact that I'm the worst at football, uh -huh. and I was I'm I the worst at football. <laughs> at football, like <laughs> not just no, playing it, just, not just, like, just <laughs> the subject in general. I didn't even know who was playing last night. That is how bad I was. But I was like, I am here for themed snacks, <laughs> and I am here for great marketing. So yeah. just invite me to the party. Yeah, I think that's the uh, consensus of everybody that does not pay attention to uh, football <laughs> over the duration of the yes. year. They look forward to the halftime show and like the whole marketing situation. Yes. So just 
just to have a good laugh. So And there was yeah, a commercial that gave me a glimpse of Paul Rudd and I was like, that's all I needed. <laughs> like I'm like it's an great. excuse to eat like cream cheese baked yeah. dips. Which I do not do for 364 days of the year. <laughs> that's literally what I made was like a cream cheese dip with powdered sugar and oh. stuff and like molded it into a football because I'm extra. Wow. And then you yeah, it looked great. I'll show you a picture. Oh, super it's amazing. Cute. I'm sure our listeners are like, the Super Bowl was like three weeks ago. Yeah. We're recording this episode the day after yes. the Super Bowl. So we're all fresh from So we're the, still like, hyped. The Tom Brady cut. I will say like I'm not really a big football fan, but I have shared in the hatred of Tom Brady mm-hmm. because it's so easy to hate him. Like, <laughs> he's just just like the way he lo- like everything about him. You're like, well, aren't you just precious? Right. <laughs> but now I, I did not realize how old he really was, yeah. and they were like, he's 43 years oh, old. Wow. Right. And now I'm like. Kind of, I'm like, cool. Yeah. Us oldies. Well, I can like, barely we can... get out of bed in the morning at like exactly. 33. So. <laughs> like, I get so much joy out of the fact that Tom Brady is like five years older than me and is playing in the Super Bowl. I'm like, okay, like, I have all of my You're life still in your prime. <laughs> I could still make it to the Super Bowl. <laughs> at any rate, we have uh, gone off on a tangent. That's my favorite. We want to hear more about you, Tyron. Okay. First, tell us. Um, so, Christy introduced you as the founder of Wells Design Company. Yes. I would love for you, in your own words, tell us what do y'all do? What, you know, if, for anyone who's not familiar, tell us about the business. Okay. Well, um, as previously stated, uh, my name is Tyron Wells. I am the owner, creative director, and founder of Wells Design Company, based here out of Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, we've been doing this for about 10 years, and we specialize in event planning, event design, and holiday uh, design also. Ah, yeah. So when you say event planning, does that are we talking about um, weddings? Are we talking about large corporate events or all of the above? So uh, there are no limits uh, when it comes to, for me, as it pertains to event planning. So I've done weddings. I've done corporate events. I've done micro weddings, which is a very popular Yay. thing uh, this particular mm-hmm. season. Uh, life celebrations, intimate dinners. Like it just, I mean, it's there's no boundaries <laughs> as as it pertains to curating these experiences yeah. for my clients. So I love that you chose to say the limit does not exist, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> that is my favorite thing. So you're doing these curated experiences uh-huh. for people. When did your passion for that begin? And how did that passion kind oh, of morph more from a hobby to like a life journey? Well, so Christmas is my thing. For a long time, a lot of people used to call me the Christmas guy. Or the tree That's a guy. great nickname to have. Like, not to be confused with Santa Claus. Yeah. Just the Christmas guy. Just the Christmas guy. Like, uh, so um, it started with me doing about nine Christmas trees in my house one year. Oh, wow. And thanks to social media, I posted it and it just kind of like took flight after the that. power of social. So from a designing perspective, you know, people see these gorgeous, you know, uh, holiday designs in their homes. They're like, well, I'm sure you can create something for like a wedding or I'm sure you can put something together for my birthday party. So that introduced me into the whole event planning world. It took me some time to master it. (laughs) (laughs) As all things do. As all things do. Because by by, um, uh, nature or whatever you want to call it, I am a designer. Mm -hmm. That is my 100. That's what I can do with my eyes closed. So I had to literally kind of teach myself, take some courses to understand like the whole processes and procedures to be an event planner, an effective event planner. So It's utilizing your mind in a different way, right? Yes. I'm a graphic designer, Uh so design but different. Yeah. But there's like our our minds work in a very 
unique way. <laughs> Very unique way. Yes. Sometimes like, people don't understand it. Yes. That's why it comes out in our designs. We're <laughs> like putting things together in a way. And it's like, yes, I need to move this yes. two centimeters. Trust me, you'll love it. <laughs> But no, that's very exciting to hear. Why did you, were you born in Memphis? Or like, why did you choose Memphis to launch this endeavor? So actually, I'm originally from Vicksburg, Mississippi. I'm also from Mississippi. <gasps> I'm like, Kosciuszko. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, my mother um, is originally from Vicksburg. Okay. Uh, my parents met in college. Uh, they went to Alcorn University. My dad is from Memphis. Okay. So for uh, better opportunities, um, they moved the family here in 87. And I've just been here ever since. So um, I have that whole grit and grind mentality. Like, Vicksburg is my home, but Memphis mm -hmm. is really like, <laughs> that's my heart. So <laughs> Memphis just like kind of being also originally from Mississippi uh -huh. and moving here after college. Mm -hmm. I like toy with the idea of moving other places. Yeah. But something about Memphis and just what you said, like the grit and grind uh -huh. of Memphis and just to get it done. Yeah. There's just something about this city that makes you stay because... I toyed with like, maybe I should try Nashville. Or maybe I was like, no, yeah, I'm going to so, stay here. It's so interesting that you say that because the type of work that I do um, only caters to a certain client. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that does not work here in Memphis. So I have had a lot of my industry friends to try to encourage me to move to Nashville, right. move to Dallas, or move to Atlanta. I'm more of that person that want to be that... Uh, that, that designer or event planner that leave footprints here in Memphis and put Memphis on the map. So I'm not interested. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> never say never, never but say he's never not going anywhere soon. I'm not going anywhere soon. My life has changed within the past two years, so it's just not me now. I'm yeah. getting married this year. Awesome. So uh, he and I have discussed the possibilities right. of, you know, moving. But I'm like... We got to stay here for just a little bit longer. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I'm Team Memphis all day long. Team 901, like it, it's. I'm a well, and I always say <laughs> you can be like the number one Memphis fan and still go elsewhere and be an amazing ambassador and represent our city yeah. in positive yeah. ways and still give back locally. I oh yeah, most definitely. Um, and I, you know, I find that Memphis has a real magnetic pull where mm -hmm. people leave, but sometimes they, they come right, right back. Right back. Yeah. Yes, so we're always happy to see <laughs> that. Something about this city, y'all. <laughs> exactly. Well, so this month we've been trying to feature innovators, right? So okay. everything from those sort of innovating in the. Um, the social space is like running nonprofits, but also mm -hmm. those who are true, you know, entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. um, so our friend Cynthia Daniels actually gave us your name. We knew Ooh, you obviously Cynthia. from the Fellows Program, but she said this person really, you know, has has built something from the ground up, has mm -hmm. done so in a really creative way. So I'm just curious, like, tell us like, for anybody out there who's thought about, mm -hmm. you know, stepping out into the unknown of of starting their own business. Mm -hmm. You know, give us a little bit of, give them a little bit of encouragement. <laughs> so, <laughs> what was your experience? How did you decide? You know, I mean, I know that you had this passion. Uh -huh. I love the, uh, I, I I can't tell my husband that we can't have nine Christmas trees. <laughs> this year, we actually, like, I put up two trees for the uh -huh. first time. And he was like, what are we doing? And I was like, why not? You know, it's 2020. Right. I can do <laughs> there are no rules anymore. <laughs> but aside from the sort of passion that you have for yes. design and how that manifested, how did you make the, what is, you know, a very brave decision to go work for yourself and start your own endeavor? 
So I had a, a, a great colleague of mine, and she had this uh, this saying saying, master your 100, like master your 100. So my words of encouragement to those that want to start uh, their own business, become an entrepreneur, is you have to figure out what your 100 is. You figure out that one what that 100 is, then you can go, you can go forward. You can go from point mm-hmm. A to point B to point C, and along that that way, you begin to add other things. Like I begin to add event planning. I'm beginning to add, you know, educational opportunities for those up and coming floor designers or event planners, you know, hopefully to launch this year. So those are my words of encouragement. And stay the course. Mm. That's the thing. You have to stay the course. Um, we're all put here to do something. You, we're all put here to do that one thing with our eyes closed. You have to figure that out. Figure that out. Turn that passion into a profit, and then you're good. Hmm. You make it sound really easy. I was like, I love that. So much. Can you write that down for me to like just hang on my wall in the morning? It'll be my morning affirmation. Like, I love that so much. And you are so passionate about what you do, and it's evident. Yes. I know the pandemic has hit the event industry yes, harder has. than yes. a lot yes. of other places. Like, so how have you kind of pivoted to – keep yourself going and afloat. And I also know you also have like a crafty little thing called Wells in a Box. Oh, you've been on my website. (laughs) You know I have. Look, I am prepared. I have so many things. Don't wait till I get on the topic of your Instagram and the flowers. Um, But I just really want to know kind of, you know, how did you, how have you pivoted and how did that idea come to fruition? Yeah. So uh, I have to say that I've really been truly blessed this particular season. And my story is not like the common story of a lot of my industry friends. Uh, A lot of my events did get pushed to 2021. All right. But um, as a business owner and making sure that my ducks were in a row, like I still have my contracts, you know, my clients still had to, you know, adhere to those terms. I worked with some of them, you know, I think it's that Memphis warm heart that I have yeah. like okay we can push things back but I still have to you know do x y and z but also it pushed me into a a realm where I had to remain relevant because what I realized was that a lot of people are home now mm. and you know they're not moving around like what can they do and things like this so I launched Wells in a Box which is a toolkit for those lovers of florals where you can just actually go to your grocery store buy florals and you already have that toolkit with you it's yours to keep so like the shears the apron you know you get like a little vase and things like that and you get access to uh tutorials huh. tutorials <laughs> <laughs> of me showing how to make arrangements in uh unorthodox vase or, or typical vase you know uh, tips and tricks and things like that um i was also able to uh have micro weddings and what I loved about the micro weddings was they they were very intimate, but my clients did not cut back on their designs. Mm-hmm. I that, love that. Yeah, that was mind-blowing to me. And I was like, okay, so you just want 20 people here and you still want these over-the-top floral garlands going down the table and completely said they still wanted everything. Yeah. So my story is not like everybody. That's why I say I'm, I was able to be blessed, you know, in that particular mm-hmm. season. But as the year, like, went by so fast because I still can't believe that 2020 is gone and we were in ho- at home the entire year. Yeah. I looked up. It was time to decorate homes for Christmas. Yeah. So that workload literally doubled this year because everybody was home. 
Mm-hmm. Everybody was home and they wanted their house to look immaculate for the holidays. So that started like in October. So COVID hit March. I had micro weddings and I looked up. It was the fall and now it's Christmas. So I've had an amazing 2020 and it did cause me to pivot just a little bit, such as dropping the toolkit, mm-hmm. which was something I never thought about. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, it's so innovative. It is. Uh, I also, we're getting ready to launch uh, a floor subscription service called Bloom Boy. Uh, and it's going to be uh, able for available for those uh Individuals that want fresh floral arrangements in their home, yeah. they're custom created. So I'm having a conversation with you trying to figure out exactly what you want that mm-hmm. arrangement to look like. So it a lot of things are coming down. No, I, it's so interesting. I mean, I feel like um, because we are all in our homes and mm-hmm. not able to sort of go out, it does reinforce this reality that like you have to make things nice for yourself too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To say like, I actually think I did more Christmas decorating this year because yeah. I was like, well, I'm going to be here <laughs> yeah, every day well. for the next 30 days to enjoy this. So I should like really double down on it. So yeah. That's, that's interesting to hear. Same for the wedding part of it that you yeah. can really make, you know, mm-hmm. anyway, that's nice. Yeah. I'm not a big party person. Mm-hmm. And so I've, I've sort of enjoyed the like, oh, okay, I don't have to go to like that massive mm-hmm. Christmas party. I don't have to go to the 10 massive Christmas right. parties that friends and colleagues and like, I'm just excited to get back into small groups. Yeah. <laughs> Having 20 people in my house would be amazing. Yeah. Um, I, I think it, it it taught a lot of people to pay attention to things that they ignored over the past mm-hmm. few years. So those more intimate settings, like, really, really started to, like, pop off. And people, people are still going to hold on to that. I don't think they're going to leave though, leave that in 2020 or with the pandemic. Like, it's going to go forward. Like, the micro weddings are not going to stop. Mm-hmm. The intimate dinners are not going to stop. It's going to be an increase of those. The holiday decor, like, people have ex- truly experienced that now because you have to be real about it. We work and we constantly on the go. So, you ignore certain things that, that yeah. you should have paid attention to in your home or your business. Now, going forward, 2021 and forward, you're like, I want the nine trees. I want the staircase. I want the lights outside. I want to feel happy when I come home. Yeah. Or if there's, I forget, interior design. I dabbled in that in 2020. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people had their, I had a dentist office redone last year yeah. and just creating that whole experience for her and her clients, homes being redone, fresh paint, you know, new flooring and things like that. So People are holding on to that and they're not going to neglect it anymore. So I can definitely attest to that because being work from home, I'll start to notice things. Mm-hmm. Just I'm like, I should probably clean those baseboards. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> like, so, I can't change that much because I'm in an apartment currently. Uh-huh. <laughs> but like, I look at things, I'm like, when's the last time I touched that area of the house? It's kind of, yeah. but it goes to speak to the message that people are in their homes more. So they're noticing mm-hmm. it also. I think people are also realizing how self-care is so important. Oh, gosh, And yes. part of self-care is caring for the space that you call yes. home, no matter where that is or yes. what that is. And I think that's a large part of what you and people in your industry yes. are helping people do is mm-hmm. care for themselves and care for their spaces. Yes. And I think that's a beautiful thing, honestly. Yeah. Don't disagree. Well, we've been talking, like, obviously, this is an audio, uh, you know, <laughs> a lot of visual stuff, but uh, I hear that you have an amazing Instagram account. Yes. Um, Christy had noted that, um, you know, exciting. I, floral design is such a fascinating sort of area uh-huh. of design, but that uh, people, that your Instagram is really uh, mm-hmm. alive with floral design. So tell us, well, first of all, tell people how they can find your Instagram so they can go and enjoy this for themselves. 
okay, guys, stop what you're doing right now <laughs> and pick up your phone. Go to that Instagram app and type in at Wells Events and follow me now. So uh, You will not regret it, guys. It's so beautiful <laughs> and aesthetically pleasing, like his feed. It's just kind of like, my house looks nothing like this. <laughs> like, it's like so it pretty. <laughs> oh, as he's he's launching Bloom yeah. Boy. My house could yes, look like I, this eventually. Yes. So what is this? What is that? Bloom Boy? Yeah. Bloom Boy is a floral subscription service, okay. uh, like I previously stated. Uh, and it's going to be for those individuals um, that want fresh floral arrangements in their home or at their business. So we'll do it like every other week or once a month. Or if it's a birthday celebration or I love you situation, like, you know, we're custom creating those floral designs um, for those clients. So, and actually, guys, it's it's crazy uh, because it's named after my fiance. Oh, that's so cute. So we we sat down and talked about it. I was like, yeah, that's it. I love it. I think it's the perfect, the perfect name, Bloom Boy. That's, floral subscription. So it got that's so cute. <laughs> um, just because, well, it's just your the business you're in, and then that, and then how the two just like flawlessly yes. mold together. It's like a rom com. <laughs> I'm just here for it all the time. I have a I have a question though. Sure. What is your favorite flower? Oh, the orchid. Oh, okay. The Phalaenopsis orchid. Like he said, oh, I am no doubt. I got it on the yes. tip of my tongue. <laughs> yes, that is my favorite flower. For a long time, I would go to Kroger like twice a week. And just buy the orchid in the pot. And I would just have them around my yeah. house. So, and they last a long time. They're just so pretty. They're so simple and pretty, but they are statement pieces. Like you can't help but see that big white petal hanging from that stem. Like it draws me in. So it's true. I was gonna say we've had experience with orchids because <laughs> of our office orchids. <laughs> yeah, we had like adorned our office with orchids, and now we're. I haven't seen our beautiful orchids. <laughs> Luckily, all my plants in my office were fake. It was like the fake succulents because I'm on the side of the building that Uh doesn't have the sun. So all of mine are the fake. So I'm at home now and I have my real plants. And I'm like, you guys are getting such good care now. You're not getting neglected anymore. I'll sing you a song. I'll do whatever. It's fine. (laughs) But I like want to ask you since we're, you know, you you Mm -hmm. said you had a pretty good 2020 considering. Mm -hmm. What are you most excited for going into this? Well, we are in this new year, 2021. Mm-hmm. What are you excited? You have all these new endeavors launching, yes. like Blim Boy and stuff. Yes. Um, but what are you excited to see? I'm just excited about another opportunity, For to be honest. Yeah. Like, uh, I thoroughly enjoy what I do. Um, I'm excited about um, working with my clients and, and having these one-on-one conversations. Because a lot of people don't know. My clients, I become like their best friends. Because I'm custom, I'm a custom designer, so I'm creating things based off you guys' personality. Mm-hmm. So just hearing how their language has changed from 2020 to 2021, how they're more uh, attentive to certain things that has to happen, or this has to be there, or you know, I don't care about that anymore. Things that I, I that weigh heavily on me, I enjoy those conversations with them now. And it makes it um, so much fun to sit down with my designers and we curate these experiences for them. Because I'm like, they, they've changed. And I love it. <laughs> so it's a great opportunity to create something that they'll never forget, you know, a memorable, you know, experience. Mm-hmm. So I love that you use that, like the curated experiences yeah. as opposed to, you know, because it is events. It is. We could break right. it down to what it is. But the way you use that term curated experience mm-hmm. makes it seem so much more special because it is. Yeah. Um. So that's super exciting. I'm excited to see what you do with 2021, honestly. Yeah. 2021 is, is so actually this is it. 
it's it's just it's a big year. So all of my weddings and events that were that were supposed to happen last year have been pushed are happening this year on top of the new opportunities uh uh with the the new events that are coming in and they're still coming. So Yeah. <laughs> uh, well that's that's a good problem to have. It's a good <laughs> problem to have. It is a good problem to have. So uh, keep them coming guys. <laughs> uh but also uh no, I keep saying this, but you know, even just planning and designing my own wedding this year. So, you know, it's just a great year. I'm 40. You know, 40 it's and just, fabulous. Right, 40 and fabulous. <laughs> yeah. So it's just, I'm just grateful. Still younger to be, than Tom Brady. Still younger than Tom Brady. I, <laughs> I can go to the Super Bowl. I think he said he's gonna retire in what about three, four, five years. <laughs> so yeah, it's just it's just a great thing um to just be here and um uh and experience all these new opportunities. I did have COVID and it was a very bad experience. Oh, gosh. Very bad. So I take every opportunity uh to heart. Because mm-hmm. it means so much. This means a lot. This is my first podcast and I'm like so oh, geek so and happy I never we could forget be it. So. <laughs> well we're so glad that you joined us. Yes. Um again uh for those of you who may be interested in uh supporting a local business but yes. also having a, a beautiful event, yes. whether it be micro or macro. Uh, this is Tyrone Wells. He's with the Wells Design Company, mm-hmm. the founder. Um, we are excited to hear about all of your things. Go follow him on Instagram, Brighten Your Day. Please, guys. Buy an orchid, Brighten Your Day. <laughs> oh, I love it. Also, okay. Tyrone, before you day. go, I want you to tell them your website as well. Yes. Okay. Uh, www.wellsdesignco.org. Do, Check it, it, out. Guys. Do it, guys. Well, Tyrone, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you guys for having me. Bye. Enjoy myself. Bye. All right, guys. Rachel Knox is here in studio with us. She is a senior program officer, passionate culture advocate, enthusiastic public speaker, lifelong connector of people. In her role at the Hyde Family Foundation, she provides culture creators with the resources they need to produce their art. Her grant-making focuses on equity-driven practices to enrich the overall cultural sector in Memphis and to boost the economic impact of the arts in the region. So when I say (laughs) you are an arts and culture expert, I mean it, people, because (laughs) Rachel touches it all. She does it all. It's incredible. So welcome, Rachel. Thank you for being here with us. Thanks for having me. It's so exciting to have you back. I'm glad you're like one of our regulars. How have you been? I've been good. Um, since I saw you last time, it's, we've gone through an entire holiday yes. season and uh, just so much happening all the time, <laughs> 2020 and 2021. <laughs> but uh, I'm doing well and, you know, just keeping the work going right now. Good. Yeah. I know, like you said it, we haven't really seen you since last year. Yeah. And it's not one of those, it's, it's now in February, so it's not plenty, you know, to be like, oh, I'll see you, see you next year. <laughs> <Right>. on, like, <laughs> but we haven't seen you since 2020. I know. So it's exciting. What are you excited to see upcoming up in the arts and culture scene in Memphis for this year? Yeah. So um, I always get really excited for the spring because um, I feel like some of the the most fun activities happen with our organizations. Um, And I think that that's still true this year. Um, Obviously, it still looks very different since Mm -hmm. we're in the middle of a pandemic. Um, Some of the things I'm really interested and looking forward to would be um, Hattie Lou Theater is uh, doing 
doing for Black History Month are doing these uh, speeches by actors that are introduced by local um, leaders, which is really great. And so it's Fannie Lou Hamer and John Lewis wow. and um, and Shirley Chisholm and like a, hmm. a, a dozen more. And so those are happening and they're virtual. And so it's really easy to access. And I think it's a way to really bring history to life. Um, and then I am looking forward to the Brooks Museum just recently opened an exhibition that I believe runs through uh, till May, which is called um, Memphis Artists in Real Time. And it features a photography of Andrea Morales and also uh, Jonathan Martin. Um, it also has some Ernest Withers photography and then um, some sketches and drawings from uh, Ted uh, Lorenzen. So lots of really great art to go see and a really great way to get out of the house, mm -hmm. do something social distance, but still, you know, support your local uh, culture, cultural organizations. And Lord knows we need it right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is completely true. And uh, as some, like I've visited the Dixon and the Brooks and they do have such great social distancing measures in place yes. to visit. So that is also, if that's something you're concerned about with getting out and about, the museums are where to go, guys. Exactly. I mean. <laughs> yeah. No, you're exactly right. Um, and I also have to, like, plug the Metal Museum because yes. also their grounds are so beautiful. Mm -hmm. So in addition to seeing some really um, incredible art, you can also just walk around. You can see the river down there, and it's so beautiful. So if you're, like, trying to get your indoor-outdoor fix, like, that's also a good spot to go as my, well. <laughs> my first ever adventure to the Metal Museum, I was actually applying for jobs at the time. It was pre-New Memphis, so <laughs> don't, don't look at me that way. <laughs> it was like when I was in between looking for jobs. It was around the same time I applied to New Memphis, though, actually. And that was my first trip to ever go to the Metal Museum was for my interview. Oh, nice. And I just remember walking around and I was like, why did I not? Like, I had lived in Memphis. I've lived in Memphis for a while at that point. So I, was, I did not understand why I had never ventured out to this place, yeah. why I never thought about it. It's just a, such a cool experience because you get to watch them in real time mm -hmm. make art as well. And you have the beautiful, like you said, the scenery, the river, everything's so out there. But then you go inside and they have these cool installation pieces. Mm -hmm. They have these awesome, like, just art pieces on the walls, like traditionally that you think about. Yeah. It's just a really cool place. And it is, it's ridiculous that we still, it's still a hidden gem. Yeah. Yeah. Community for it so is. long. And yeah. It's just off, like you said, it's kind of like off the beaten mm -hmm. path. And so like, I think you have to be very intentional mm -hmm. to go there. Um, but it's so worth it. Like it's not any further than going right. any other place in the city of Memphis, which I think <laughs> like mentally people are like, oh, it's so far away, but it's yeah. actually not. And then it's just like opens up into like this really beautiful area and you know like you said just really great to just get away from kind of like the busyness of the rest of the city and mm -hmm. i think people have this preconceived notion when they hear metal museum they're like i don't want to see metal and <laughs> right. i'm like but i mean honestly i, I right. mean it's sad, it's sad but true fact like that's how people sometimes yeah. think so plainly and it's it's so much more than that guys so yeah, if you haven't been this is my plea this is our plea <laughs> yes rachel Please knox is here telling museum. you it's one of like it's also a national leader in memphis being you know, a location where there's, you know, nationally recognized organizations. I mentioned Hattie Lou earlier. The Metal Museum is also uh, one of those being the only metal museum in North America and frequently brings visitors from all over the world. So definitely support our organizations that are one of a kind. Well, um, obviously, you know, the Hyde Family Foundation is uh, helping to fund, support, and advocate for mm -hmm. some of our most um, things like the Brooks Museum. And honestly, at this point, Hadaloo, um, you know, things that have been around for many years mm -hmm. that have um, a really strong foundation, hopefully, of support and providing the community with uh, essential arts assets. But I know that you guys have also been working hard to find those smaller emerging artists and organizations that need that 
sort of uh, not just a boost, but like really bringing them into the arts and culture, um, bringing onto the arts and culture landscape in a way where they can actually, you know, hopefully find a sustainable way to, to make a living. So yeah, tell us about any, I mean, just give us a hint of uh, one, two, three individuals, organizations that y'all have been funding over the last couple of years that sure. you think are kind of coming out, uh, as it were, and that we should be on, on the watch for. Absolutely. Um, I think that's been one of the most rewarding parts of my job actually has been funding some of these, um, like next generation arts organizations. And, uh, one of my favorites is, uh, Music Export Memphis, which was founded by Elizabeth Kaywine. Um, that organization is really tasked with um, the export side of the music business. So as you know, musicians make their money by touring, which of course we are unable yes. to do right now because it's a mess. But before, pre-COVID. Um, <laughs> oh, the day. Uh, <laughs> Does anyone even remember? Um, it's like a fever dream. It is. It feels <laughs> fake. Um, but uh, uh, Music Export Memphis would work with musicians um, to make sure that they were showcasing at places like Americana Fest and South by Southwest, would work with other musicians on logistics and making sure that they had like materials and things like that, that really spoke to preaching the gospel of why Memphis is such not only a culturally relevant city because of our legacy music and soul and blues and rock and roll, but right now what Memphis sounds like um, with hip hop and neo soul musicians and, and many others. And so I think they've been doing an outstanding job, obviously. They have not been able to, you know, work with musicians going to tour, mm -hmm. but they've played a really critical role in um, supporting our musicians and artists um, during this pandemic. Elizabeth Kaywine is, you know, an outstanding leader. She has worked tirelessly to get, um, you know, thousands of dollars of grants to individual artists to kind of help them, uh, you know, fill the gap, um, you know, last year. Uh, she, along with Elizabeth Rouse uh, at Arts Memphis, wound up giving out um over $800,000 in individual grants to wow. local artists, um, Elizabeth focusing on musicians and Arts Memphis focusing on um, the rest of the cultural sector. So they're definitely one that I find outstanding. Um, an organization we've recently started funding um, in the last couple of years, but has been around for a long time, would be Indie Memphis. And they have really been killing it. Um, Ryan Watt, who is uh, the outgoing executive director, um, has done a fantastic job along with um, Miriam Bale, who is the artistic director. They just closed the satellite location of the Sundance Film Festival, which I just think speaks so highly of the work that Indie Memphis is doing. Um, for those of you who are unaware, they are our independent film organization. They help independent filmmakers, um, but also ensure that they have access the, the city of Memphis and Memphians have access to viewing independent film. And so, um, in true Memphis fashion, they were able to get, you know, become like a Sundance uh, locate satellite location. It was at the summer Malco drive-in. They showed some films that are like all of the talk right now yeah. of the film community as far as like, you know, outstanding motion pictures. So that was like a huge get for us. And they have been doing, you know, a really wonderful job. Um, and then one of the organizations that um, I am also really excited about that we've been supporting is Collage Dance Collective. They've also been around for a while, but our relationship has just started with them. And they have done um, a really excellent job of kind of expanding their work during this pandemic. Um, for those of you who have 
have not had a chance to catch it, they have done these really beautifully filmed versions of their um, spring recitals they do. And so they've partnered with WREG. And so anyone can tune in and watch on TV and also um, view it online and stream in. They've worked with, you know, the school system to make sure those kids can see it. And, you know, Marcellus, um, Harper and Kevin Thomas um, have just done such an outstanding job in making this form that sometimes feels very inaccessible, like the most accessible and the most um, down to earth. And also while just, you know, still maintaining the beauty and excellence that they always bring to their performances. So they have, they've been calling them episodes, which I think is a really cute pivot (laughs) (laughs) instead of a spring dance recital, which might not sound as interesting to most people, but uh, their episode three is actually coming up in April and they'll be doing, um, they'll be uh, showcasing the work of their, uh, uh, of their production Firebird, as well as one called Flack, which is about the life of Roberta Flack, um, who is the musician who is well known for Killing Me Softly. That mm-hmm. song is always yes. a jam. So I'm really like, I just break into that. song right <laughs> I now. I was like, I really want to sing it, but that would turn off, make a lot of people turn this show off. So. <laughs> <laughs> I lo- I actually tuned into I think it was episode two of Collages mm. Dancer and it's I don't want to call it a recital because yeah but it's it was just so good Ugh, it's breathtaking and to have it brought basically into your home mm-hmm. is just another like you kind of worried with things like that will it feel the same if I'm not in an auditorium or watching yeah. it on a stage will it impact me the same way. Because dance has always been an important part of my life. So yeah. even I had that at the beginning of the pandemic when I was watching virtual things. I was like, it's, it's not going to be the same. Yeah. But honestly, it hits you in a different way when you're seeing it from the comfort of your own home. Yeah. And Collage is doing such a great job they at curating so those. And I don't know. I don't. I can't say anything else about it because it's just so, so good. And if you haven't watched it, like Rachel said, they sh- it shows on WREG. Mm-hmm. But I know they also stream it on Facebook Live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's available and accessible, which is such a testament to how Memphis is keeping things available to people. Absolutely. And really, I think expanding their audiences in ways that our cultural sector really hasn't had an opportunity to do until the pandemic um, hit. So I really hope that as we hopefully get towards we're able to open up again that some of these things are also um you know that they're they're long term to keep the accessibility um of like this beautiful artwork that's being seen and collage there's like this running joke because I cry every single time I see one of their shows and like I'm not a person who cries like I my background's in theater like I've seen a lot of good art but every time I see a collage show like I would ball like the entire time it's true um, I've only not cried once and then uh, Marcellus was like, "Well, I guess we'll, we'll, see, we'll <laughs> see about that next time." So, <laughs> well, it's just, they dance with such passion. They do. You can tell that they all love it. Yes, and I think that's what comes across. Because I agree. Like, I'm not. I'm not in tears yet, yeah. but like, I'm close. Oh yeah. Because and so I'm just like. <laughs> Okay, maybe maybe this isn't what we need to watch today. This is too emotional. Yes. Um, but it's so good. And you speak to so like we recently had Tonya Dyson here with Mem Slim House. Love her. And she spoke to, you know, the money they're getting to build the backyard up yes. to make it more accessible to the Soulsville area and live performances. We've had Nate Canty with Opera Memphis here. Love Ned. And he spoke, yes, they're also great. And he spoke about their basically their mobile opera yes. trailer that they take <laughs> into neighborhoods. And I just the accessibility that's been provided even through this pandemic is truly just breathtaking to me every time I think about it, how mm. they're continuing to innovate and make art accessible to the masses. Yeah, I want to hear from you as someone who is 
as as I've stated, like a leader <laughs> through and through in the sector. What is Memphis doing well and what can we do to still get better? Yeah, I mean, I think Memphis does a lot of things well by virtue of the fact that, and I mean this and with all sincerity, Memphians are absolutely brilliant. Um, I think like Slow people clap. toss that word around, <laughs> but like I think when you really get into the strategic thought that goes behind how a lot of our organizations, whether it's in the cultural sector or more broadly, how they execute their work, it is truly brilliant. And so um, I think that what Memphians do well is we're really good at, you know, coming up with new ideas, seeing a need and and working really hard to fill it. I think what I worry about lots of times, especially in our cultural sector, is what is the mountaintop for Mm -hmm. our cultural sector. Um, Our folks are always striving to reach that peak, but I don't know that they mentally have like this is what would be the ultimate best. I think they would always be trying to go past that. So I think one of the things that we have to figure out is like, what do we really need? What pieces do we really need in our cultural sector that ensures that it is like of the highest quality, right? And I don't mean that um, through like the lens of like, oh, this is Eurocentric fine art, right? Mm -hmm. But like if you go anywhere, whether it is, you know, to Collage or the Brooks or any of our other locations, if you go there and you enjoy what you see, you have a good time, it's a good experience. Is that something that is replicated all across the city and everyone's communities, right? Like, is it always the highest and best? Are people who are serving, you know, individual neighborhoods or the city more broadly still, do they still have the access to the resources and things they need to make sure that their work is excellent? So I think one of the things that um, I'm really focused on as we are you know, coming through this pandemic and into the subsequent years is how are we ensuring that our, you know, grassroots and smaller organizations are equitably funded and in a way where they can do their work um, and support the community without feeling um, as if their work is not as important because they're not as large. And so I think for us, Our struggle has always been supporting the cultural sector financially, but really how do we correct like the glaring inequality that we've seen to ensure that like everyone is on a level playing field for like where they are as an organization? Yeah, that's such an excellent point. And, you know, one uh, bright spot that we wanted to highlight was that you have helped lead the charge to increase funding to cultural organizations led by people of color. So it's gone from 12% to now 45%, Mm -hmm. which of course is far surpassing the national average of 4%. Yes. So, you know, I think this this intersects with what you're saying. Obviously it's, uh, it is about, um, you know, the size of the organization, the kind of art they're making, but Mm -hmm. obviously there's a racial component to this and knowing Mm -hmm. that Memphis as a community can be leaning into this reality that we have amazing black artists in our own backyard. And if we're not empowering them, supporting them, funding them, Mm -hmm. we're not going to see them grow. So tell me, you know, how, how, what, what have y'all done? I mean, obviously it sounds simple, right? Right. We'll fund more black artists. (laughs) (laughs) It is simple. But but what was, you know, how how have you guys accomplished? I mean, this is a huge feat. Um, How have you accomplished this? And how is this uh, changing the way that you are strategizing to go forward? Yeah. So when I first started the foundation, which is um, will be 
four years ago in June. Um, I came right when they were finishing up their strategic plan. Yeah. And uh, Teresa Saland, who's our president, um, and Lauren Taylor were like, yeah, we wanted to hire this position before we actually you know, worked on the strategic plan. We didn't want to tell the new person what they should be doing, but let them kind of inform <laughs> yeah. the work, which I super appreciate. I was going to say, that's awesome. It is awesome. Um, it was a real tight deadline. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but what I, um, appreciated was, you know, like I was very new to the world of philanthropy, but like, this has been a long-term problem with, um, black-led organizations not receiving equitable funding. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I really want to focus on how we can support black-led organizations. And, you know, our trustees really got behind that and, you know, obviously our staff. And so we, that's what we started doing. Like, I think lots of times we overthink it. We're like, oh, we have to do like this thing. But really it's just like, do you know black organizations? Right. Are you funding them? No. Okay. Maybe you should fund <laughs> <Yeah>. them, right? <laughs> so that was kind of our thought process. And, you know, I think what's been really great is that we see that across the um, entire foundation. So even in our other areas like vibrant spaces and communities, um, my coworker Ian Nunley is like very thoughtful about how we're funding, um, you know, black led neighborhood based organizations and our education um, portfolio has always, you know, been about that life and making sure yeah. that. You know, kids of which a majority are black kids, um, you know, have a high quality education. And so I think we're really starting to see, you know, the fruits of our labor um, in supporting these organizations, because when you center the experts in the work, that's when you see your investment pay dividends. Right. Mm -hmm. So when we um, started supporting the collective, which was founded by Victoria Jones, which is a consortium of black artists across also multiple another disciplines. Amazing human being. Another amazing human like, being. Literally just like like talking about brilliant, yes. she and I think you guys also had um, I Make Mad Beats <gasps> and his group with Unapologetic. James Dukes, uh, just so brilliant. All these people um, are geniuses. All of and them, they're all right? right? And I have so like, many of them. And they're all here. <laughs> that is the crazy part. They are all here. They're all here and they want to stay here. They're yes. not using yes. Memphis as like a stepping stone no. to go elsewhere, right? If anything, they're using Memphis as a platform to bring people here. <sighs> Um, and I just find that so incredible. But yeah, we, Victoria and the Collective was literally one of the first organizations that I funded, one of the first Black-led arts organizations that I like managed that grant and took it through. And like, I, I mean, literally, you know, three, four years later, I'm like, what, how did you do that? Yeah. <laughs> how did you do that? Right. And it just goes to show you that when you give people the space to like breathe and to be able to like think and do their work, they can really run much faster yes. than, you know, you can even mm. anticipate. And so, um, you know, I think we still have tons of work to do and we are very committed to that, but I'm very proud of the work that we've done so far and i um, looking forward to continuing it for sure. Well, we are proud, again, of the work that, that you are doing, the work that the Hyde Family Foundation is doing. Thank you. Um, before we close, is there any one last, from either of you, really, because yeah. you guys are both fonts. <laughs> any other last, you know, pandemic-friendly art experience that people should be seeking out of the next couple months? Hit it, it, Rachel. It's not <laughs> necessarily like an art viewing experience, but I do want to shout out again our restaurants as being part of our cultural sector. Mm. Yes. They're not nonprofit organizations. They are very much for profit, yeah. and we need to make sure that we're supporting them. Yes. Um, and, you know, there's also ways that you can do both. Uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar, um, the Brooks Museum every year has their food and wine festival, which is called Vive la Brooks, mm -hmm. and they are doing that virtually this year. It's called Savor at Home. 
and mm. it is uh, they have three dates, uh, two in February, one in March that has a different cuisine, um, and then you get wine that is from um, I think. I don't want to say the wrong name. So yeah. you get wine. <laughs> you get a wine. There's also wine, wine that you get. Um, and it's super fun. And you can hear about the work that the Brooks Museum is doing. You know, pick up your meal from one of our local restaurants, get your wine, have that experience in your house, support, you know, an arts institution, and also support the culture of our food and beverage industry, which needs tons of help right now. Um, Memphis is very fortunate to not have a ton of chain restaurants, but small businesses led by really creative people who make really excellent food. So definitely um, take some time to go out and buy food from a restaurant, takeout to go, um, you know, whatever your your preferences, but make sure we're supporting those culture workers and creators as well, because I want them to be around so I can go inside of them. Wholeheartedly <laughs> agree. And I retweet all of that. The Brooks is what gave me my start here in Memphis. I moved straight from college here to be an intern at the Brooks with my little graphic design and art historian degree. So it's near and dear to my heart. And I will also tap onto that uh, Black Restaurant Week is upcoming, and they are doing curbside and to-go this year. And so that is super exciting. So exactly what Rachel said, get out there, support not only your restaurants, but those Black-owned restaurants as well. Yes, Um, Cynthia Daniels, I know we've mentioned her earlier in this podcast, um, just another true powerhouse and legend that we have here in Memphis. I don't even have the words to describe all the great things she does, but she leads that endeavor. And so make sure you check that out. Check out Black Restaurant Week on social so you can see all the cool places doing deals and stuff. Yes. Thank you for mentioning that, too. It's so important. Also, Fub Ben is back open. What? It is. We both <laughs> we can all just what? audibly gasp. <laughs> Everyone's radios go silent. It's just like white noise. It's like, sorry, we got places to go. (laughs) So, yes, keep checking your local restaurants that are gyms, too, because some of them are starting to slowly reopen to do takeaway and carry out, like um, you just said, so. Where's your favorite place to get takeout before we go? I just want to know. Oh, my gosh. Like, Quick Check has been my, like, like, I've always loved Quick Check, but for some reason lately, it's been my, I'm like, I need a sandwich (laughs) today. Today, (laughs) Um, I would say that Masiel's has been like yes. a place that I've like hit up pretty frequently. Chef's so good. Um, and then also you can never go wrong with Chef Tam's Cafe. Also. So, yeah. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> All right. Well, Rachel, thank you again for joining us. We'll have you thank back you. in, a, in yeah. a month or two to, to tell us what is coming up for the rest of the spring. So awesome. we'll talk to you soon. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate it, guys. Bye. <laughs> Bye. All right, that does it for this week's episode of Meanwhile in Memphis. Again, this is a radio program or a podcast, depending on how you're listening, brought to you by New Memphis, a local nonprofit. Uh, We are here every week, again, to bring you stories of city success and progress. Um, And as an extension of this, if you're interested in more content along the same vein, we have uh, our Celebrate What's Right luncheon. It's one of our luncheon series. It is a virtual luncheon for the time being. Um, But that is a week from today uh, uh, on the 23rd of February from noon to 1 p.m. We have an amazing group of folks. So usually at these luncheons, we bring together a panel of leaders around a particular issue that we can authentically celebrate and lift up here in Memphis. Uh, Our intention is to hopefully create awareness of uh, how something how well something is going and hopefully create greater advocacy for that. So we believe that what you shine a light on grows. So this is a great way for you to learn more about 
what, you know, we've kind of touched on a little bit today, yeah. but Memphis as an entrepreneurial, as an innovative hub. So we've assembled a panel of local innovators to share why and how Memphis is leading the pack when it comes to cutting edge ideas, technology, business development, et cetera. Um, so you can, at this luncheon, you'll learn how we're paving a new path, paying it forward and pioneering for our city across sectors. So we have assembled a really, I think, stellar lineup of folks, um, people from organizations like Epicenter, our entrepreneurial hub, from Innovate Memphis, Innovate's right there in the title. Yes. Um, but also, again, uh, our, our friend Milton Howery is going to be there. He uh, works at Memphis Tourism as the director of public relations, but he's also the founder of M M Milton Memphis Entertainment. So as we're talking more about people curating events and experiences, <laughs> uh, so a real interesting array of folks. Again, it's uh, February 23rd, one week from today, noon to one. It's free. It's virtual. You can pop in from your home and get a little dose of Memphis excitement and Memphis love before you get back on with your day. Uh, you can register at newmemphis.org, of course. Uh, if you, It's, again, free, but you can go register so you can get that link and you can pop in and join us. Christy, what else is on tap this week? I just want to say, guys, seriously, come to this talk. I know I always say, I feel like I always say we have rock star panelists. And it's but like, we always, we do. always do. Like, that's the thing. That is one of my favorite parts about working with New Memphis is we truly transform the city kind of through the power of connection and the connections we make and the connections we make available to everyone. And so just starting at New Memphis, I never had access and like got to meet these kind of dynamic leaders and things in our city. And it has truly transformed that for me. And so I think that's why I get so amped when we talk like, yeah. to our guests and when we talk about the panelists we have, because bringing these people together for these crucial conversations just continues to like mesmerize me. And I do the work. I work for New Memphis and it continues to mesmerize me every day. Well, there's really nothing so. more inspiring, at least to me, than hearing people who are brilliant, but also passionate, yes. who have chosen this community and who are I mean, just the put amount of care work. And, and, <laughs> and work that they put in. Um, you know, I always tell people my favorite part about my job is that I get to sit here at the at the middle of like all of these amazing people doing incredible things. And while I think New Memphis is amazing, again, as you said, our job is to empower, develop, mm -hmm. connect. And so we're trying to help these people go be their best selves and be their best leaders. Um, so, uh, as Christy said, it's going to be a great hour. Again, you can pop in for 30 minutes. If that's all you've got, we'll give you your daily dose of Memphis inspiration. Um, Christy, what else before we head out? Yeah, guys, um, Anna kind of touched on it, but about how we're cultivating leaders. And she also spoke about the fellows program at the top of this episode. Fellows is actively recruiting for new people right now. So we would love to have you if you're a mid-professional leader. Anna, you define that as 30s to 40s, correct? Age is not, you know. Age I, is just a number. People but. <laughs> ask us all the time, like, who is this for? And yeah. I say, if you are an incredible leader in your organization, running your own company, like whatever it might be. Um, if you know that you've got room to grow, though, you know that you've got, you know, that next step to take, the fellows program is for you. So whether you're 33 or 43, it really doesn't matter. Perfect. Um, but the fellows program is a year long. So it's this really intensive, I think, very meaningful program that over the course of a year, we're going to both learn about yourself, what kind of leader you are, how to be a better leader, how to spot Again, your your growth areas, um, but it's also going to teach you about Memphis, and you're going to get, I think, a really essential education on what our you know what our city needs from you as a leader, and how you can 
input into the city in a way that's really unique and particular to your talents and skills. Yeah. So, Christy, if if you if you're listening and you're like that sounds like me, <laughs> or you're like that sounds like this person I know, how can they get involved in the fellows program? Yeah, you can get involved by the fellows. Well, you can get involved with, not by the fellows program, <laughs> with the fellows program by just visiting our website at newmemphis.org/fellows. You can apply right there on our website. You do not have to be nominated. Although, if you know someone that you would like to nominate for the program, you can do that as well. Also, if you're just interested, email info at newmemphis.org. If you have questions, just send us a quick email and be like, hey, I think this program might be for me. You can follow us on social at the New Memphis. Slide right into our DMs. I will answer it for you and get you connected to who you need to get connected to. Because truly, the Fellows Program is probably, I love all the programs we do. Fellows is a favorite because of how inundated in the community you get to be with through Fellows for that year-long adventure. I call it an adventure. I know it's a program, but I like to like it's consider it as like a choose-your-own-adventure. <laughs> um, so, guys, just apply. And hopefully, you know, we are taking, like I said, the applications now. It's the recruiting window. But we keep those applications as well. So if you don't get to get into the class this time, there's always next time. So it's very exciting to do it, and I hope that you all will take it upon yourself to develop your leadership capacity because really every room you walk into almost, there's a New Memphis in there. And I learned that before I worked at New Memphis, and then when I started working at New Memphis, it's kind of amazing the reach our programs have in developing those leaders that are touching, like you said earlier, all the great points of our city and just lifting us up. So become a New Memphian, guys. We have Embark, Fellows. Even LDI, we have our stride work for educators. We have our launch work for collegians. Any way you want to get involved, we we got you, okay? So just visit our website, follow us on social, and stay tuned. All right, well, we hope to see you soon on a new Memphis program. And until then, we will see you next week here on yeah. New in Memphis. Have a great week, Memphis. Bye, guys. Meanwhile in Memphis is brought to you in partnership with WYXR, produced by New Memphis and hosted by Anna Mullins-Ellis and Christy Mullen. For more information, please visit newmemphis.org. Audio for this show is recorded and produced by the OAM Network. For more information, please visit pod901.com.